This episode brought to you by Manscaped. Use code REVISITED for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Christmas comes to Eternia, and you'll want to be there. It's the all-new He-Man She-Ra Christmas special, Monday at 3 on Channel 13. Now, if you're an 80s kid like we are, that brings back some warm, fuzzy memories. I know it does for me every time I hear it. Welcome back, everybody. Better late than never for the Christmas episode, 2022, of 80s Revisited. <laughs> I'm your Santa, Trey Harris, and with me as always, the Rudolph to this sleigh ride of joy and late, better late than never yuletide spirit, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And I have fought, not COVID, but I have fought the rap, rampant, what do they call it, RSVD, that's been going around, given to me by my niece, carried oh, back to Utah from what California. What a gift. <laughs> it's a gift that keeps on giving because thought I was better, gave Autumn the rest of my day quill, and then it came back with a vengeance. So... Mm. Uh, but as you can see, I'm, I'm much better. I might hear a few coughing, a few coughs now and then, but it's not prohibited getting our Christmas episode out like promised. But, you know, these things happen. It could be worse, but it's not, thank God. But we're going to talk about the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special. This came out appropriately December 25th, 1985. IMDb gives it a 6.6. .6. Rotten Tomatoes, zero critics, because I guess I didn't watch it. However, 55% of the audience liked it. Now, of course, this is a TV special. Really no information on the budget, no opening, no domestic gross, blah, 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 blah. It did have a VHS, so, uh, but of course, you know, finding any rental information from back then is pretty hit or miss. You know, it's usually only with the big stuff. But it was directed by Bill Reed. He's a uh, accomplished animation director. He also worked on Star Trek, the animated series, uh, He-Man and She-Ra, The Secret of the Sword, the previous movie that introduced She-Ra to the world of He-Man, or the universe of He-Man, I should say, and Brave Star. Uh, and it was also directed by Ernie Schmidt. He worked on such things as Fat Albert, the regular Masters of the Universe, a.k.a. He-Man series, and Ghostbusters. Not the real Ghostbusters, but just Ghostbusters, which if your Ghostbusters history is correct, it's the one with the monkey. Mm. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to have to Google it. <laughs> it was written by Don Heckman. He also wrote uh, for other a lot of animation people on, worked on this. Uh, he wrote for the Popeye cartoon, the Godzilla cartoon, the regular He-Man cartoon, and strangely enough, that all that resume got him a job writing a few episodes of Dynasty. Non-animated, of course. Uh, also written by Bob Forward. He worked on He-Man, Rambo, Cops, which was a great show back in the day. Uh, Super Mario Brothers Super Show, G.I. Joe, Captain Planet, Exo Squad, TMNT, and Beast Wars, which is getting... That's the new Transformers movie coming out, which, honestly, I'm kind of excited for. Because <laughs> Beast Wars, like... Uh, Beast Wars was a cartoon for me that came on... When I was in high school is when it was airing. But it came on, like, at 6 a.m., on Fox. So we would watch an episode of Beast Wars, and by 6.30, it was time to go to school. Mm. Uh, most of the time. Sometimes we missed a conclusion, but we, we kind of knew where it was going. So uh, am I going to see it in the theater? Absolutely not, but I'll be watching it at home. Uh, it, it's, uh, as, as Playing He-Man, as always, the regular voice of He-Man, John Irwin. He was He-Man, Prince Adam, and also Webster. 
Uh, he's the spider type guy. He's the figure that was blue with the red eyes and had the grappling hook on his back. If you don't know who I'm talking about, but you had the toys. He was also Reggie in the Archie cartoon. Uh, he had a bit role in Back to the Future Part Two and Everybody's All American. Now, I didn't know this, so there's, there's some there's some really cool trivia or uh, facts here about Alan Oppenheimer. Alan Oppenheimer, no relation to you know what is it? John Oppenheimer, the guy that did the atomic bomb, whatever mm, his name was. Yeah. Was it John? Alan. Thank you. No, wait, no. Wait, what was the guy that did the atomic bomb? <laughs> yeah, he's Alan. Is there a movie coming out about was him? It, yeah, with Nolan, where you know they recreated the atomic bomb. John, was it John Oppenheimer? Oh my God, I can't. I'm total, total. I'm a history major, and I have a total Robert. brain fart. Robert, thank you, Robert Oppenheimer. I'm not sure if they're related or not, but Alan Alan Oppenheimer, voice of Skeletor, voice of Man at Arms, voice of Cringer, 334 credits on IMDb. He was live action in Westworld '73, the original with Yul Brynner. Uh, he also did voices voice work in Thundar, Flash Gordon. And uh, Transform- in Transformers, he was Warpath, Beachcomber, and Breakdown. He was in Brave Star. He was Handlebar and Stampede. Uh, if you're a fan of the old, the original X-Men cartoon, not the animated series in the 90s, but the original one-shot, Pride of the X-Men, which I remember having on VHS when Walmart had it, he was the voice of Blob in that. Uh, other live-action stuff he did was uh, Married with Children, a couple episodes, some episodes of Murder, She Wrote, and Quantum Leap. Uh, the original, not the new one. But the the mind-blowing piece of trivia that I came across, and I'm not sure if we mentioned this in the episode way back 10 years ago about Neverending Story, but he was the voice in the American version of the Neverending Story of the Rockbiter, Gamork, and Falcor. Now, he's uncredited, is what it said on IMDb, but I had no clue that Skeletor was the voice of Falcor. If I did, I have since forgotten it. One of those kind of things. So I, I was like, holy shit. Skeletor is Falcor. <laughs> and the more I say it, the more I think, maybe I did know that and just forgot about it, but I don't know. According anyway, to the internet, uh, Skeletor is third cousin to J. Robert Oppenheimer. Oh, wow. So there is a relation there. That's how he got that job. Nepotism cousins. <laughs> Obviously. Threatened him. Uh, Melindy. Br- <laughs> <laughs> if you don't give me this. If you don't give me this job as Skeletor, <laughs> my third cousin has a package for you. It's like, dude. Imbecile. Your voice is already there. You, you got the job. <laughs> you no know threats well. necessary. <laughs> That probably actually happened. Um, uh, Melindy Britt was the voice of She-Ra, Anadora, Catra, Mermista, Mermista, however you want to say it. Also does a lot of video game uh, voice work. She was in Dishonored 2, Fallout 4, and uh, she was also Batgirl and Catwoman in the 1977 animated Batman cartoon. Uh, Linda Gary was Tila and Queen Marlena and Evil Lynn. She was also Aunt May in the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s and also had some other voice acting work in Batman the animated series, Darkwing Duck, and Problem Child, the series for some reason that existed. Uh, George DeCenza was Hordak and Bo and Cutter. Uh, he did some work in Murder, She Wrote, Dynasty. And I'm not sure why they didn't just get Captain Lou to voice himself, but George DeCenza, Hordak himself, was the voice of Captain Lou Albano in Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling back in the day, which I honestly thought all the wrestlers did their own voices for that, but <laughs> I haven't seen it since the 80s, so that's why. Uh, and finally, Lou Scheimer was Orko in King Randor, Spike Or, Too Bad, Rattalor, and Modulok. He also did voice work in Star Trek, the animated series, and Batman, the 77 one, which I mentioned earlier, Black Star, Flash Gordon, and he unfortunately did pass away uh, 
10 years ago this year, back in 2013. So the voice of Orko, unfortunately, is no longer with us. Now, this is a, this is a, I think this might be the first special, you know, technically special that we've done on the podcast. Because uh, we're kind of running out of 80s. What's that? Didn't do Star Wars? We haven't done the Star Wars holiday special. That was in the 70s. Ew, we just talked about it, not like for... An- yeah, we, we did talk about it before. I remember talking about it. But yeah, I don't know if I could ever watch that again from start to finish. That's <laughs> that's one of those things that you're one and done. You you watch the Star Wars holiday special because you're like, it can't be as bad as people say it is. Then you watch it and you're like, it is absolutely as bad as people say it is. <laughs> Although it's it's now a cult classic because at Disneyland, whenever you or Disney World, whenever you go there during the holidays, they are, the Star Wars or Batu as they call it is all decked out in you know Life Day stuff. Got the Life Day orb sitting on my shelf right in front of me that I'm staring at right now. But uh, yes, this is our first kind of television special kind of thing. But uh, we've done we've done ninety percent of the big '80s Christmas movies for sure. Uh, there are a couple we still got. We got to say you know got to say those. Got to got to balance them out for year by year. Uh, so we have some kind of Christmas related content without going into a different <laughs> decade or redoing something. But uh, yeah, this was one that I remember watching it once as a kid, and then like. I don't ever remember watch, ever catching it again. I don't know if they ever just. I never caught the rerun, because uh, I always remembered, you know, the the kids. Because you know, it's kind of that it, this episode or special because it's a double episode. It's you know an hour long minus commercials. Has that trope of like, oh, somebody just like the, just like the Master of the Universe movie. They come to Earth, and by they I mean Orko and Orko comes to Earth accidentally, and then comes back to Eternia, where Skeletor learns the value of Christmas. Which this is. Unlike the Star Wars holiday special, the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special, if if it's nostalgic to you because you love He-Man, you love She-Ra back in the day, then you're going to like this. It's fine. It's an hour long. You get all the cameos from a lot of different characters that you had figures of, etc., etc. But it's got some of the best Skeletor lines ever. Like To me, one, if I had to do a top ten Skeletor line, one of the top two would be this one at the end where, like, Skeletor's getting the Christmas spirit. He helps save the kids. He's like, I don't like feeling good. I want to feel evil. <laughs> you have to listen to him say it. It's, it's great. You know, it's it's that it's typical Skeletor because you know, as a kid, you know, when you when you watch He Man, Skeletor's the big bad. He's super evil. But you watch you go back when you watch He Man as an adult. It's like it's still great. It's got it's still nostalgic. You know, you see the repeated animation much more. You pick up on so many more things. But Skeletor is such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was never scared. You know, Mumra in Thundercats was way more villainous than Skeletor. You know, Skeletor is just, you know, Cobra Commander is a slight bit above Skeletor with his bumblingness. But I mean, Skeletor is still iconic. I mean, it, I, I'm still waiting for that M rate, or I say M rated like it's a video game, that, you know, R rated version of He Man to come out where it's dark fantasy. Now, even, not counting Conan the Barbarian or anything like that. Uh, you know what I'm saying, but like you know, a, a dark version of Skeletor where he is terrifying. That's a that's a property that's good for like one movie, you know, kind of thing. Although I like a I like a lot of them. I think that's a, that's what they that's the thing. Like you have all these movies that are you know, all, all the nostalgia nostalgia stuffs come and gone for the most part. You know, we're kind of in late '90s nostalgia now. You know, with like the Scream series coming back last year and everything, we're kind of that's kind of the decade we're at. You know, the '80s stuff will come back around again, but we got to get through the other stuff. You know, it all it all it's all cyclic. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, we need a we need uh, when they do these nostalgia trips. Like, I love it when they do it, but they're not doing it. You know, the He Man stuff that came out 
they, they had two two shows on Netflix. They had Revelations, which was kind of more so for the older people that grew up with E-Man. And a lot of people, you know, it was very 50-50. I personally loved it, personally, which I said personally twice there. Sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, then they had the other, the more, I say, kitty. Like, the, they had a the younger version of He-Man on Netflix, too, that was had its own line of toys. I didn't care for the aesthetic, but that was more, you know, for the kids to catch on with it. You know, but I like when they, when they do stuff that's geared, this is nostalgic, but it's today. It's modern. Like, or this is for the adult. If you grew up on He-Man... This is for, you know, if you're 40 and you still love He-Man, this is this is the R-rated He-Man that you <laughs> never knew you wanted or always kind of talked about, never thought you'd get, and you'd get it. That's what I'm getting at. You know, it'd be awesome to have a, a G.I. Joe that's an actual, like, heavy, like, violent war drama where they're not shooting blue and red lasers and never hitting each other. Or if they do hit something, they're just hitting the battle android troopers, the bats from uh, G.I. Joe, you know, that kind of thing. You know, a dark fantasy that just runs with it. And there, there is concept art for it that that very talented artists have done. Go to deviantart.com or just Google, you know, scale, uh, Master of the Universe, you know, R-rated or mature or something. Like <laughs> I've seen some amazing. Um, might not want to search mature like, right. since you laughed, Jesse. That kind of <laughs> you might get the you know it's that it's that thing. I downloaded the wrong version of Avengers yeah. <laughs> kind of thing that you might come across. But there's some I've seen some fantastic artwork that's like. That's more of a darker tone, a dark '80s fantasy look at the Masters of the Universe, universe, and uh, it's fin- fantastic. It's phenomenal. Uh, but anyway, I forgot where I, where I was going on that. But the, <laughs> but the Christmas special, I, I still enjoy watching it every year because, uh, uh, of course, right for the past couple of years, they uh, Mattel has reissued or they've run a line of figures, Masters of the Universe Origins, which is basically. The old style figures, you know, with some added articulation and stuff, uh, and I've got every one of them. Like I've collect, like I that I've collected every one of them. I even funded an Eternia, so I'm finally after 20 years, I will have Eternia when it ships, like next year, <laughs> whenever they're supposed to be shipping it. I uh, wasn't missing that for the second time, uh, but you know, I play with it with Violet. We have such a good time. You know, she likes watching the special. She loves Orko. Uh, it's a, it's it's great for for young kids. It's it still holds up in that regard. And as an adult, you get the nostalgia for it. But uh, and I mean, it's it's He Man and Shira, so it's it's for everybody. It's very inclusive in terms of that. Like it's not just like the Shira Christmas special. It's the He Man and Shira. They're both there. They're both well represented. They both get their moments to shine and everything. Uh, it's just fun. Absolutely. If you haven't seen it and you still and you you know you're nostalgic from the '80s cartoons or you grew up on He Man or that you'll love it. If you never cared for He-Man or Master of the Universe or She-Ra, you know, don't worry about it. You don't miss anything except some Skeletor, some amazing solid gold Skeletor quotes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's 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 a it's a seasonal thing. You know, it's a, it's not something you're gonna watch <laughs> any other time of the year and everything. But uh, it's still fun. It's you know, it's a it's a good healthy piece of nostalgia that doesn't overstay its welcome because like I said it's like 40 something minutes so uh, I think it's on YouTube it's on Tubi it's easily accessible if you want to watch it next year because <laughs> we're a little late this year thanks to uh, some viruses and stuff or yeah like you said Jesse early as well <laughs> so uh, in fact if <laughs> we already got this far so no warning about just saving it for next year but uh, there's some couple pieces of trivia here the earth coordinates shown on the screen actually whoops I did it again because Got to get back in the groove. Uh, Jesse, have you ever seen the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special? I have not. 
So there now, we go. Was He-Man a toy line that you collected back in the day or had any interest in, or was that kind of I was familiar after, with the toys, did but you no, miss I that never one? really watched the show that much. Yeah, because, uh, you know, for me, that was like, this was, He-Man was the first, like, property that I, like, latched onto, like, in terms of outside of just the show, you know, with the toy line and everything. Uh, Star Wars as well, but, like, a lot of the toys for Star Wars, by the time I was of age to play with toys that I didn't stick in my mouth, uh, He-Man was kind of the up-and-coming one. That's the one that I gravitated to, like, initially. And then, of course, all the others, G.I. Joe, Thundercats, et cetera, et cetera. But He-Man was, like, the first one for me in terms of, like, uh, uh, here's a cartoon. I'm watching the cartoon, and in front of me, I got these same characters here reenacting the cartoon while I'm watching it, you know, like, kind of thing. And then later, you know, the next one that ever did that for me was Ninja Turtles uh, in, terms of, in terms of the amount of fandom, I guess, that I had for it because by that time my bro- my little brother was old enough to where he would get Ninja Turtles I get Ninja Turtles so now I had we had double the amount of toys <laughs> that uh, we'd have so it was uh, I'd always have to use my older brother uh, station so to speak to uh, say hey look I'm going to get Mutagen man why don't you get Leatherhead <laughs> that way we can have two villains to fight I always have to use my sway yeah. to kind of get him to pick the figures that I wanted to play with too <laughs> back in the day but yeah so if you know if, this isn't for you. If you, if you, if there's no, there's, it's not. It doesn't transcend its value of what it is. If that makes sense, to where if you're, you know, if you're a fan of '80s animation and just a fan of the character, obviously, you know. But yeah. if you're not, this, it's an easy skip. You know, go watch Scrooge again or Ernest Saves Christmas again. Uh, but what was the first toy line? Like, what was the first kind of similar thing that, like, as a kid, because you're, I think you were born '84, right? '82. Oh, sorry, eighty-two. Uh, so yeah, we well, you know like two years difference, but that can make all the difference in terms of I mean, pop culture. So, like, what was kind of the big toy line that you remember first, like being really I mean, I like, was, heavily into? I was into um, Ninja Turtles for sure, as far as buying it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had friends that had a lot more money than I had, so they had all sorts of things. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> you had two VCRs. Come on that's now. That's where all of our money went. I, I, I kid. I kid. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's fair because those were very expensive. <laughs> that's true. Very true. But yeah. Um, yeah, we had computers and we had VCRs, and that's where our money went. As far as buying toys, not many entered the house, but, you know, I got to buy some on my own. And yeah, it was Ninja Turtles all the way. Uh, but, you know, I had friends that had like Silver Hawks stuff and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and um, Silver just Legos in general and stuff like that. Yeah, because uh, now I, I remember the first Ninja Turtle I ever bought, and it was Raphael, and it was in it was in the mall in Houston, the mall that has the ice skating ring. Because mm-hmm. we were visiting my cousins for Christmas, and that was the first time I ever saw Ninja Turtles. I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I think they had a foot. I think they had Splinter, a foot soldier, and Raphael. I was like, I'm getting the red one. He looks cool. And that oh, was the having first not even Ninja seen Turtle the show. I mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, to my memory. And it was like from there, because it was kind of, it was, it seems like Ninja Turtle, I mean, the comic was out way before. I say way before, but, because the comic was M-rated. I mean, it, was, it wasn't for kids, really. Uh, the OG comic, yeah. black and white comic. Uh, but I, I, I might have seen, maybe I did see the show. I Honestly, I can't say that for sure. It would be improper of me to say that's not a possibility. But I distinctly remember, like, the first thing I remember of Ninja Turtles is buying that Raphael figure. Now, whether that's because I saw the show before maybe in passing or heard about it at the playground. But it's, I just, I, it's one of those memories that's just clear as day. You know, <laughs> like I can literally shut my eyes and see myself like holding that figure, like the packaging and everything, how cool it was. And that started, you know, the whole Ninja Turtle craze for me, at least. But yeah, Turtles, 
I think anybody in our age range, it was Ninja Turtles. Was like mm-hmm. every you know we all some people had He Man, some people had GI Joe. We all had Ninja Turtles. Yeah, in that in that range, that was the that was the the unifier of them. And that line, I mean, the turtle line. When I go back and like, I love looking at like the old commercials on YouTube, and the old uh, just advertisements and the old like the, the old card backs were like, you know, oh, collect them all. And like you know, the original line was just the four turtles, Splinter and Shredder, and a foot soldier, I believe, was. And then you know, then they added April and Casey Jones came along. And then every every time I knew I go to Walmart or Kmart or whatever store that may or may not still be in business. You know, we go to the toy aisle, and that's the first place we would go. What new Ninja Turtle toys are out? Whoa, it's a freaking Samurai Rabbit! Which, of course, if you collect <laughs> the comics, you knew Usagi Yojimbo's been around forever. You know, oh, wait, oh, dude, it's Donatello with a disguise. It's undercover Donatello. I gotta yeah. have this one. You know, uh, Metalhead, Leatherhead, all, I mean, the Turtles had such a, you know, such a, like, they were so, all so different. He-Man, you know, along the same lines, had it, too. You know they all they all do. I mean, GI Joe, you had, you had a boxer at one point, you know, and you had Croc Master, but uh, Ninja Turtles had so much. Uh, I think of you know of like Master of the Universe and uh, GI Joe, Thundercats. Like Ninja Turtles had just some of the most imaginative figures, uh, toys, I should say. You, know, you had the Turtle Blimp, you had the Technodrome, you had Rat King, you had Ace Duck, Mondo Gecko. These. Uh, Chrome Dome. I'm just spouting this on top of my head because it's so much fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and we were watching. Uh, Violet loves Ninja Turtles. She loves them, which I'm like a lot. Like she's like she'll actively like at night. She's like, Daddy, tell me a Ninja Turtle story, so I'll just remember one of the episodes of the cartoon, <laughs> and and I will tell it to her in the voice of Splinter. Uh, <laughs> she gets a big kick out of that. But we watched the episode. I think it was that last episode of season one of the cartoon. It's where Crane gets his body. You know, the the big goofy robot and like we i had that toy like my brother had that toy like i was like god i wish i still had that <laughs> i would have that sitting on my desk uh like the turtle toys were just so great we had so many of them and it was like and they were it just seems like there were so many of them that i can't even remember because i go back and look and it's like god I, I never had that one never had that one never had that one because you see you feel like you've seen them all you had them all and it's like god there were so many and they had like you know and they carry you know gi joe probably had you know Vehicles was like a big thing about G.I. Joe, and G.I. Joe had some badass vehicles. Uh, you know, He-Man had a, had some iconic vehicles too, but you know, the Turtles, they had the Turtle Van, the Blimp, Sleds, Skateboards, Technodrome, like I said, the whole drill thing. You know, it was it was the real, the Turtle toy line was legit. Super Shredder, I see you have it on the screen right there. My brother mm-hmm. had that one. I was disappointed he wasn't big, though. Yeah. He was like, you know, normal size. size. He wasn't Kevin Nash size. <laughs> He should have been like, you know, crank, like a big deluxe figure like you, you see him. Like, I know NECA, re, you know, NECA has like the Ninja Turtles license and done some turtle figures. And I think they have a really, really badass Super Shredder from the end of uh, Secret of the Use. But yeah, anyway, uh, some trivia real quick. Because uh, we'll, we'll leave the action figure talk to our good friend Jonathan Foreman with his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, but uh, the Earth coordinates shown on the screen relate to the actual address of Filmation Studios at the time. Everything, street number, zip code, phone number, and even the Telex, aka fax machine number, are were all legit. So if you recorded it when you saw it and called the number, you would actually get Filmation Studios. Uh, she refires a beam from the crystal in her sword at the Monstroids. The only other time she did this was in She-Ra, She-Ra the Princess of Power, Prisoners of the Beast Island, of Beast Island. Uh, so I'm not sure that's a really nerdy factoid there. Because, you know, it seems like that'd be something you would utilize a lot in the 
world of He-Man and She-Ra. So that uh, an, a projectile ability is invaluable in that world, and she'll use it twice. Uh, the Beast Monster, or at least its face, was actually based on the rubber dragon hand puppet included in the Fright Zone toy playset. Now, the Fright Zone was the playset, kind of like the Hordak lair kind of thing. And it had like a little cage, had a tree. Uh, and then, it, But it had like a hand puppet of like a... It looked like the Predator, almost. Uh, that you'd stick your hand in, like, you know, you'd have your figures and you would stick it in the hole in your hand. You would stick the puppet on your hand through the hole in the playset like it was alive. Mm. So it was almost like a figure. Uh, really kind of clever, really cool. I never had that, but my good friend Jason had it. Mm. And in fact, uh, we were, uh, I mentioned it looks like Predator because we were going to, uh, we even talked about, we, we planned out to make a Predator-like movie on VHS, like camcorder. We were, we're like 10 years old. We love Predator. He had that toy, the, the Fright Zone puppet, and we talked about renting a VCR, I mean, I'm sorry, a camcorder from the video rental store, and then filming our own Predator movie, and we were going to have the Predator mask. He, he, he cut, and this is, people, are, toy collectors are going to be dying when I say this, he cut the Fright Zone puppet, like, up the middle on the side to where you could wrap it around your head and wear it like a mask, and that was going to be the unmasked Predator <laughs> in our movie that we never wow. got to. We never ended up doing it. <laughs> Uh, but we talked about it. We planned it out. You know, you know, kids. When you're ten years old, you have high, high, lofty ideals. Mm-hmm. Now today, we could have done it in a heartbeat because we would have taken our cell phones <laughs> yeah. or our parents' cell phones and done it. Back then, there was no way to record anything without a camcorder, that thousand dollar plus piece of machinery. Back then, mm-hmm. uh, so it wasn't easy back then. But we had the pre planning. We talked about it. We had all our friends like, okay, you're going to be this kind of character. You're going to be this kind of character. And then, of course, we didn't end up making any movies until I got my home, my own camcorder uh, around 1997, 98, somewhere around there. Mm. That's when we made our Predator wannabe, Evil Beaver, (laughs) which is available on YouTube, but I think they're private now. I'm not sure if they're not private or not. So if you go to YouTube and search Evil Beaver, you may or may not see the Evil Beaver trilogy that we filmed when we were in high school. Yeah, to send an email. 80s re- yeah, send an 80s email revisited. to 80s revisited yep. at gmail.com. Sorry to cut you off there, Jesse. You had That's it under exactly control. It. I butted in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Man at Arms needs a Curium water crystal. And in Brave Star, another filmation series where you know it's the futuristic Wild West, uh, Curium was the most valuable substance on the planet of New Texas. And let me tell you something. Woke alert. The way Texas is with its politics, we don't need a New Texas. Just kidding. There we go. There's your 10-second political talk. So if you want to get a two-star review or one-star review for that 10 seconds, let it fly. Uh, if, now, the big party scene at the end, I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of cameos there. Uh, some of the cario- characters that you see make cameos uh, that had figures. Uh, Buzz Off, Fisto, the <laughs> the mustachioed man with the big right hand. Uh, Lizard Man, Manny Faces, one of my personal, absolute favorite figures ever in the Master of the Universe line was Manny Faces. Uh, Mechanek, whose neck grew, Moss Man, Ram Man, Snout Spout. At that point, he was actually known as Hose Nose. Mm. <laughs> so I'm glad they changed it to Snout Spout. Uh, Stratos, Cyclone, and Zodak, the Cosmic Enforcer. Uh, from the She-Ra show, you saw uh, Angela, uh, Catispella, Flutterina, Frosta, Glimmer, Madam Raz, Broom, Seahawk, Sprag, Spratina, Sprocker, and Loki. Spelled L-O-O-K-E-E. So not, you know, Marvel or Norse Loki. And this was not released on DVD until 2005. Score-wise, uh, I personally would give it a 7, simply because, again, your value with this special depends upon whether or not you grew up with it. Uh, 
Now, you show a kid this, they, they'll probably love it. Uh, but as an adult, if you have no connection to it nostalgia-wise, honestly, you know, to be, you know, not say anything bad about it, because I like it, but without that nostalgia tear uh, in me, there's nothing, there's nothing worthwhile for it, because it's, it's a product of its time. Uh, but it is an icon, two iconic characters of the time in a Christmas special. So there's a lot worse you can watch, as we mentioned before, like the Star Wars holiday mm-hmm. special. Any part of that uh, <laughs> that you watch is not going to be fun. Uh, some inter- inter- really interesting factoid for the real world. Uh, this was uh, uh, something that I, I remember hearing about, but I, well, another one of those facts that you kind of hear but you forget about over time. But uh, December 25th, 1985 is when this special came out on TV. Two days later, uh, in Rwanda, American naturalist Diane Fossey was found brutally murdered. Now, Diane Fossey, you might recognize the name. Well, I've heard that name before. Well, if you're our age, at least you've probably heard the name before. That was a character that Sigourney Weaver played in the movie, the 80s movie, which you might have to cover now, uh, Gorillas in the Mist. Uh, she, uh, Diane Fossey was a naturalist, conservationist, did a lot of work with mountain gorillas in Rwanda. Uh, actually, here we go. I copied a little blurb here to mention it. Uh, she spent 20 years in Rwanda where she supported conservation efforts, strongly opposed poaching and tourism in wildlife habitats, which they still do the tourism to this day, uh, and made more people acknowledge the sapience of gorillas. Uh, following the killing of a gorilla and subsequent tensions, she was murdered at her cabin at a remote camp in Rwanda in December of 1985. Although her research assistant was convicted in absentia, there is no consensus as to who killed her. So her murderers are still at large, so to speak, if they're still alive. But her research and conservation work helped reduce the downward population trend in mountain gorillas. And for that, thank you, Diane Fossey, for your for your work. Uh, still murdering somebody over that, that's just fucking pathetic, mm. to be honest. But yeah, int- very interesting story. I remember watching Gorillas in the Mist as a kid because Sigourney Weaver was in it. Sigourney Weaver's from Ghostbusters. Like, oh, it's, it's Sigourney Weaver from Ghostbusters, an alien. I want, it's her new movie. I want to watch it. I remember as a kid being bored. <laughs> Because it's not a it's not a movie for eight year olds, <laughs> definitely not. You know, but uh, definitely one we're gonna look at. Uh, it's on the list now to cover because uh, I want to know more about this. Because I remember I remember you know about the movie and kind of hearing about her being murdered. And it kind of comes up every now and then when she's mentioned in documentaries or whatever about like you know animal conservation, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, very interesting topic, tragedy what happened to her, but. Uh, We'll definitely look at getting the movie done because I want to. Uh, actually, I'm gonna, I need to find a good documentary first about her so I can, you know, we like to tie that into whenever we do like anything that's a biopic or uh, related to the real world uh, or anything like that. So try to get something worked out on that because I personally find it very interesting and it's a story that, you know, people today don't know. Mm. Uh, I mean, people they know, you know, but you know what I'm saying? There's a whole generation of people that there's all these stories of history. Or like very interesting, unique, amazing, tragic stories from the past that tend to get forgotten as generations progress, and then you know in fifty years, in hundred years, somebody will look back at it and make another movie about it. Uh, but yeah, she died back in eighty-five. You know, sometime in December, we don't know, but she was discovered. Her body, unfortunately, was discovered on December twenty-seventh. But in terms of the eighties as well, and even before that, uh, recently we lost another icon and. Uh, Nothing to do with the movie or anything, but Pele passed away right after the World Cup. And uh, I don't know about you, Jesse. I know nothing about soccer. Same. Not a damn thing, except I know who the fuck Pele was. Uh, as a kid, I didn't. He was in kids in comic book advertisements in Marvel Comics. Uh, you know, arguably the greatest soccer player that ever lived. 
Although, you know, oh, he played back then, though. He didn't play now. You know, that same argument like, oh, Jordan's the best. Look, look, people, Jordan is the best NBA player that ever played. Bottom line. Oh, well, LeBron, he didn't play against today's teams. No, he played back in the day where you had Barkley, Ewing, Stockton, the, all the dream team. And he was playing against those people. Jordan was the best. Bottom line. Take your Steph Curry theories and don't bring it here. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm not an expert anyway. That's just my opinion. But uh, yeah, Pele was born Edson Arantes de Nascimento, uh, October 23rd, 1940. Born right before Christmas. I mean, I'm sorry, born right before Halloween. Died right after Christmas on the 29th of December uh, last year. Still feels weird saying that. Age 82. Uh, his goal-scoring record is often reported by FIFA as being 1,281 goals in 1,363 games. Now, I lied. I do know a couple of things about soccer. I know that goals... like. Every goal is monumental in soccer because yeah. when most soccer games are, you know, one to nothing, two to three, et cetera, et cetera, one to two. Making a goal in soccer is a huge deal. It's not just, oh, they, they kicked the field goal, not a big fucking deal, unless it's like, you know, two seconds left on the clock and they're down by two kind of thing. Uh, so the fact that he scored at least once in almost every one of his games is an incredible feat for any soccer player. Uh, he's a six-time top goal scorer, six-time Brazilian champion, three-time World Cup winner. Hmm. Uh, Brazil won in 58 when he was only 17 years old. He was the youngest person ever to win, a, win the World Cup. Uh, Brazil, and again, the World Cup's every four years, like the Olympics. They won in 58, 62, didn't get the three-peat, and then again in 70. So if they would have won in 68, they would have won four in a row. Uh he has the most hat tricks in world football, which is 92, which is three goals in one game, which again, that is an incredible... Three goals in one game one time is incredible. Yeah. The man did it 92 times. Uh, and speaking of the back-to-back uh, -back World Cups, only two countries have ever, in the history of the World Cup, won back-to-back -back wins. Brazil, Italy, and France, if they would have won this year, would have done it. But of course, they lost to Argentina with... Uh, Autumn corrects me every time I say his name, but Messi... I'm not, Masa, I'm not sure how he pronounces his name. Again, I don't know anything about soccer. He's messy. I know Pele, David Beckham, <laughs> Messi, Mise. I don't know. I'm an, I'm an American that doesn't play soccer, so I don't know these things. But yeah, if France would have won this year, they would have also had been the, only the third country to ever win back-to-back -back World Cups. And then in December 2000, this is, here's an interesting fact that kind of goes along with what we, I was kind of, excuse me, jokingly saying with Jordan and... Uh, Messi? Yeah. Messi? Messi. That's what I said, isn't it? Messi. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Messi anyway. and Messi. Oh. I guess. All of our overseas listeners, just remember oh, I'm an American. I think we you don't, had it right. We don't talk, you know. So I think I gotta be close. I mean, I come on. But uh I thought this was an interesting little factoid. Uh in December of two thousand, Pele and Maradona, or Donna, again, I don't know how to pronounce this name, I don't know who this person is, but they shared the prize of the FIFA Player of the Century by FIFA because i got to put that FIFA name in there all the time. The award was originally intended to be based upon votes in a web poll, but after it became apparent that it favored Diego Maradona, many observers complained that the internet nature of the poll would have been a skewed demographic of younger fans who have seen Maradona play, but not Pele. FIFA then appointed a, quote, family of football committee of FIFA members to decide the winner of the award together with the votes of the readers of FIFA magazine. The committee chose Pele, but since Maradona was winning the internet poll, however, it was decided that he and Pele should share the award. 
Hmm. It's, a, it's a generational thing. Same thing with Jordan. People that, you know, sports-wise, you know, for me, for football, you know, it's... Uh, it, with baseball, it's it's whenever the World Series is going to be decided. Oh, it's three to three. Here's the deciding game. Okay, I'll pay attention to see who wins. NBA Finals. I like the Finals. Uh, Super Bowl, obviously. The playoffs. Yeah, if, you know, if any team I care about is in the playoffs. Uh, you know, wrestling. Royal Rumble. WrestleMania. Yep. Occasionally SummerSlam, depending on who's headlining. You know, World Cup. When the World Cup comes around, I am a soccer fan. I watch it all the time. Now, what sucked is that I don't have cable this year, but I have Peacock because of, thankfully, for the WWE. But um, Peacock, I guess, owns or is, works with Telemundo. So, in order to watch the World Cup live, since I didn't have cable with Fox, I got to watch it live, but in Spanish. <laughs> now, not that there's anything wrong with that, but Jesse, me and you, we're from Louisiana. <laughs> now, when I was in school, we didn't learn Spanish. We learned French. So it wasn't until I got out of high school that they actually started teaching Spanish in schools in Louisiana, at least in Livingston Parish, where I'm from. So, you know, which, you know, when we went to Paris, ah, uh, yeah, bonjour, uh, qui est la bibliothèque? You know, I could find the library, I could find a bathroom, no problem. <laughs> Spanish, I don't speak Spanish. Si or que pasa? You know, just the stereotypical phrases all I know in Spanish, which, you know, Hindsight's twenty twenty, but because Louisiana is the only, you know, state that uses parishes and of the French heritage, they taught us French, which is fine, but doesn't mean a hill of beans unless we move to Quebec, which they use a different kind of French up there anyway, or France, <laughs> uh, whereas everybody, your Spanish is everywhere, you know. So anyway, hindsight's twenty twenty, like I said. But uh, anyway, forgot where I was going with we went that. To different high <laughs> schools, and they taught Spanish, French, and Latin. Oh, wow. See, I took Latin in college because, like, oh, you don't have to speak it. You just have to learn to read it, <laughs> which was fine for one semester. But I didn't take the second semester immediately after. And then because I took it in the uh, at summer, I had the summer break between there. Mm. And then I go to the second semester, like, I've forgotten everything. <laughs> so literally, I, I don't I, I have my degree from college is a general studies degree because I don't have the foreign language requirement. Mm. Jeez. So if I wanted like my degree to say Bachelor of History, Bachelor of Political Science, which I, I went to college long enough, I could have like two degrees if I actually <laughs> went back and did the foreign language thing. Uh, but yeah, I'm not doing that. I wasted enough of my life in college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These days, and my diploma has never never gotten me anything. You don't need it, yeah. We know yep. so many people that have but, uh, diplomas that are just being wasted. Yeah, it was wasted. But well, I mean, we're from that age group to where that was, you know, go to college, get a degree, get a job, buy a house. No, that's not that's not how the world works. Nope. That's that's Changed. the most bullshit kind of statement. You know, that was the worst advice I'd ever gotten, and most people our age got that advice. Which at the time, sure, it's that's what you did and your parents did. Things change. You don't keep doing the same damn thing because things change, people. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Which is why I'm in the predicament I'm in now, looking for a new career with no skill except in selling, and I don't want to sell anymore. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, that last little thing I said about Pele and Maradona, again, if I'm mispronouncing it, people across the world listening to this, I apologize. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's very, uh, what I was touching on with the Jordan thing is that, you know, I watched Michael Jordan play, I watched him win three NBA championships. You know that was must see TV, so to speak. Yeah. I remember, I think it was. I think I don't think. I think it was one of the finals with the Bulls that was interrupted by OJ's 
Bronco Chase as well. Hmm. Uh, maybe it wasn't one of their years, but it was something like it was a playoff game or something where I remember OJ interrupted it. We didn't see the end of the game uh, till later. <laughs> uh, they had it on the bottom of the screen in the uh, as they were doing it. But uh, yeah, so but you know, as a kid, again, I, I ne- I've never seen Pele play because he didn't play when I was a kid, but I knew he was because of comic books and just, you know, he was, he was, he was worldwide known. I mean, I mean, across the world, people know more so not in America because, you know, football in America is the NFL and not FIFA. You know, it's soccer here. It's football everywhere else. But yeah, when the World Cup rolls around every four years, uh, back when I was in Louisiana, I would go to every single day during the World Cup season, I would go to the Londoner, which I don't know if it's still called the Londoner anymore in Baton Rouge, uh, else, and know. get me, you know, a shepherd's pie or something, and I would watch I would watch soccer on my lunch break. Oh, wow. Uh, love it. No, I never, love watching never it. was a soccer fan. Don't know why. You know, I, I can't tell you the position. Oh, I take it back. There's strikers and there's goalkeepers. I don't know the other positions. <laughs> Thank you, Mario Strikers, uh, Nintendo, for that. You know, so I don't. I don't know. The, you know. I'm not fluent with the rules. I just know that when a goal is scored, it is, it's rare. So like when you see when I see these people going to the goal and I'm sitting, and then all of a sudden somebody does a reverse bicycle kick and it barely goes in. That is like damn, like hell, like wow, incredible. Hmm. So, but yeah. Uh, anyway, I do have a. T- uh, this is a Christmas episode, and what's a Christmas episode without a top ten list? But before we get to that, this top ten list. You know, one thing about He-Man and most He-Man characters, except Mossman and Stratos, uh, there's not a lick of hair on them, except <laughs> for their hair and eyebrows. And the best way to do that, you guessed it, Manscaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got their new premium collection. They got the, of course, the Lawnmower 4.0 package. With a, if you use the code Revisited at checkout, you save twenty percent and you get free shipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are sending us some new stuff to test. Uh, but as we've sang from the wrath, or yeah. Preach from the balcony or whatever their expression is. I've got, I think I got three different expressions mixed up right yeah. there. But uh, the lawnmower package 4.0, uh, it's great. Put the guard on, use it on your eyebrows, dudes. If you got bushy Italian eyebrows like me, it'll get them nice and trim without making them look like you shaved your eyebrows off. Believe me, I've learned from experience with that. <laughs> Put the guard on, it works perfectly. Uh, and of course, the uh, the weed whacker. Use it every every couple of days. It gets all those nasty, long-ass nose hairs that you don't think you have until you see one in a mirror sticking out of your nose. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> uh, so probably shouldn't use explicitives in the ad part, so I'll correct that next time. <laughs> but that's how serious anyway, we are. But anyway, if you want to have a... <laughs> that's how that? serious we are. <laughs> yeah, we're dead serious. Mm-hmm. You know, they, people, Studies show that people that use explicits, explicitive language are more intelligent and more passionate. Mm-hmm. I'm so passionate and intelligent. <laughs> but of course, there's other, other, other uh, reports that say people that use explicit words are dumber than other people. So pick, what, pick your source as to what you want to <laughs> believe. But yeah, anyway, uh, we talked about it before. The 4.0 package, it's great. Uh, comes with a t-shirt, boxers, all sorts of cool stuff in addition to it. Uh, but again, the main attraction, the lawnmower 4.0 and the weed whacker, guys, it's worth it. You know, there's no shame in manscaping. You know, there's unsightly. We all have unsightly hair, and ladies, borrow it. It works in the shower. Mm-hmm. It's waterproof. waterproof. Now the weed whacker, I can't remember if the weed whacker is waterproof, but the 4.0 is absolutely waterproof. You can leave it sitting in the shower. Right. Now don't charge it in the shower. That's not good. <laughs> charge it over by your sink, but you can bring it after it's charged into the shower. Although personally, I, uh. I find it works. I prefer to do it first and then shower. Yeah. Stay <laughs> in the shower, trim up what I need to, mm-hmm. turn the shower on, get it off, kick it down the drain, 
and you're good to go. Yep. So, but yeah, Christmas is our Christmas episode, either for 2023 or 2022, however you want to look at it. But I did come up with a list of the top 10 80s Christmas movies. So if you want an 80s centric Christmas for 2023, for sure, since 2022 is already passed, uh, here's 10 ones that are good Christmas movies and arguably some of the best. Now, uh, the first few are definitely in numerical order for me, so I'll start at the bottom. And this is, I'm just going to go through them quick. Uh, top 10, the official, Trey's official top 10 80s Christmas movies. Number 10, Rocky IV, takes place at Christmas, it counts. <laughs> Number 9, A Christmas Story. The original, the, the, the new one. Did you see the new one, Jesse, that came out this one. year? Yes, I did. I didn't, I didn't care for it. It was so... <laughs> It was so cookie cutter happy. I was kind of hoping like they were gonna. It was gonna end up being kind of a down, not a downer ending, but a more realistic ending to where like, it's okay, Ralphie. You'll be, you know, like, just to kind of keep a more realistic tone. But like, of course, spoiler alert. Oh, Ralphie gets the call and his article's published, and now he's, you know, he's gonna be a writer. It's a Christmas miracle. Happy ending, of course. But, I was expecting it to be worse. You know, I will say that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, I, yeah, for sure. Uh, but, but yeah, there's nothing know, much I'll never to watch return the sequel there. again. You're not going to watch it next Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I'll watch the original for sure. Yeah. It's a classic. And I mean, and honestly, you know, it was, it was, you know, you knew they had the right to dad out because Darren McGavin's been dead for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but I, honestly, what shocked me, what, threw, what threw, honestly took me off, like, you know, I'm, I'm in for the movie when they're all, oh, you know, dad died. Okay, that's how they wrote it out. Oh, that's, you know, that's. That works. That kind of fits the tone of a Christmas story, you know, like with something happening that's a little more realistic. That relatability of the movie, of the original was so good, you know, the whole fudge part and going to see Santa. It really captures that being a kid at Christmas kind of feel, mm-hmm. at least back then. And even like in the 80s and of course when it came out. But uh, they recast the mom. She's still alive. She just retired from acting. Mm. I forget her name. Uh, but she's still alive. I was shocked. I was like, wait a second, that's not her. Or She had a lot of plastic surgery, so I looked it up. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's not her, obviously, but she retired for acting. So it's like, you write out Darren McGavin, like you should have wrote out the mom too or something. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, right? you, you, had, all, you had all these other returning characters, including Scott Farkas, spoiler alert, See. which he was in Freddy vs. Jason. He's been, he's, been he's been acting since, but you know, he's back. Uh, and you had like a lot of, some of the people from the original, but you didn't have the mom, which, you know, fine, but it was just like, you, you know, the, it's always unfortunate when you have like a reunion or something and the, it's everybody's back that's alive except like one person. It just, it just feels like couldn't have just put a little more money to it just for this, just something, you know, for whatever reason, you know, we respect her decision and all that, but you kill off the dad and it's a new mom. You could have just got a new dad at that point. We're just deep. deep but I guess they learned a lesson there. from a, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Just get, Hey, we're just going to deep fake you. Do the or you know whatever you know that would have worked. Wow, she's on a start. I guess they learned from the abysmal, the abysmal uh, Christmas story too, (laughs) that you don't recast the dad. I've never seen that, but I'm assuming uh, Daniel Stern plays the old man, from what I've seen from the trailer. I believe. Uh, Anyway, uh, number eight, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part Two, not one, because if you watch Part Two, they recap the entire movie. The first thirty minutes of Silent Night, Deadly Night Two is a recap of the first movie. So you get most of the good parts of the first movie in the beginning of the sequel. So if you have to pick one, just watch Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Number seven, Trading Places. Also a good New Year's movie because it covers Christmas and New Year's. Uh, Lethal Weapon, of course. Mm -hmm. Die Hard, of course. Top four, Gremlins. 
Number three, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, of course. Top two, undisputed two best Christmas movies ever. Fight me on this. Better than National Lampoon's. Yes, I'm saying it now. Number two, Ernest Saves Christmas. And number one, my personal favorite Christmas movie of all time, Scrooged. The best telling of A Christmas Carol, bar none. Personal favorite. Fight me. Argue with me. It's fine. Everybody <laughs> has their own favorites. I'm not really going to fight anybody because I'm a pacifist. Uh, I don't like to fight. When I find I black out and I wake up and I'm covered in blood and it's not mine. Just kidding. I don't know what happens. But yeah, so there's, uh, you know, if you're, again, you're looking for some 80s Christmas movies this year because it's 2023 now and not still 2022. Those are the best. Uh, I think that's a pretty concise list. It's really hard. I think it's really honest. I mean, objectively, it's hard to argue any of those. Uh, Jesse, of those, what, what are some of the ones that you prefer? Uh, the standouts from that list, uh, Lethal Weapon. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, are there, now, of course, in my, I mean, I think, I think everybody has those that they watch every year. What for me, obviously, Scrooge, Ernest, Gremlins, National Lampoons, most of the ones I mentioned, for the most part, we tend to get a viewing in there. And of course, like you know, Home Alone, other ones outside of the '80s. Uh, but you no, know, if I again, if I had to pick just one or two, the ones I'm going to pick for Christmas at least are going to be Scrooge and Ernest Saves Christmas over Home Alone, over Home Alone Two, any other Christmas movie. Those are the two that. I personally just, those are my my favorite Christmas movies. Biased, nostalgic, absolutely. Nah, Home, Home Alone you, gets viewed here, um, and Home Alone 2. Those two would be played here if we stayed in town for it, but lately we've been going to family's house, and we're letting them choose what to play, and, Ooh, that's and dangerous. every year for them is It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> now we talked about everybody listening me and Je jesse talked about this for about 20 minutes off camera <laughs> or off mic before but our concise opinion was it's a great movie but it's way too long yeah. even though it's only two hours and 10 minutes for the most it part still should have been it feels like a 90 minute tight 90 absolutely it's i wish i mean somebody out there could, it could easily cut it right <laughs> easily cut it down and make it like flow better but it's like, I swear, it feels like you can watch Gone with the Wind twice over the runtime of It's a Wonderful Life. It's just so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that ending, like that last 20 minutes of that movie, the second he's like, George, you can see me? You know, Merry Christmas, movie house! From that point on, I'm all like, one of the greatest movies of all time. Hits me in the gut every time. But yeah. Because uh, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, it was mainly Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, which I loathe. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other. That kind of those two were the big ones. Like in, with, and then of course, you know, the the, the Christmas specials, um, uh, uh, Garfield Christmas, you know, that kind of uh, tra uh, you know Car Charlie Brown. I was going to say the Great Pumpkin. That's Halloween. You know, yeah. uh, I think it's just called Charlie Brown Christmas, whatever. You know, all those you know traditional Christmas special type things and then of course as the, as more christmas movies came out you know santa claus the movie uh that was just because there wasn't much in the 80s i mean we got these but i mean you don't put on silent night deadly night <laughs> when there's kids in the room right you know uh gremlins of course you know and national lampoon was i think 89 so it barely made it Ernest even i think Ernest and scrooge are both like late 80s too so a lot of these i think a christmas story might have been the earliest one of the ones that i mentioned at least you know, and that uh, the rest of them were you know, much later in the and then in the, in the VHS boomed, which was good because you were able to rent them, you know, and watch them for Christmas and such. But more so, you know, just for a couple of years, eighty nine, ninety, beyond, obviously. So, 
But yeah, uh, back to the future this week. Uh, being sick and everything with a sick kid and sick wife and sick self. Uh, did get a few things watched in between uh, sicknesses and <laughs> children waking up crying and wanting to come into mommy and daddy's bed. Uh, Christmas-wise, uh, saw Violent Night, which I absolutely love. That's a new staple. Mm. It's the one with David Harbour, which uh, we talked about it our last episode. And I was a little, I got, I got, I got to toot my own horn a little bit. So, uh, toot, toot. I said it sure would be awesome. If they released it on streaming before Christmas this year, because people might not remember it next year. And what did they do? What did they do? Somebody heard. <laughs> Somebody listened to us. The universe said, you know what? Those guys on Eighties Revisited have a good point. Release Violet Night. And they sure did on streaming. Uh, and it's a great hard R, die hard. You know, it's, 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 it's die hard and every, it's everything you wanted from a badass Santa. Uh, did you, were you able to catch that I one, Jesse? Save it for next year. <laughs> Let it be a fresh watch for Christmas. I mean, it's good. It's worth watching anytime. Don't get me wrong. It's a good movie. Like it's, it's, def, it's highly enjoyable. It's, it's a lot of fun, but it's a def, I mean, it's, it's Santa Claus kicking ass. So, you kind of get that extra feeling out of it, you know, watching it around the holidays. Uh, and speaking of Christmas movies, there was another one on Shudder called Christmas Bloody Christmas. Uh, I, I thought Rob Zombie had a way with profanity. This movie puts him to shame. So if you don't like hearing the F word repeatedly for no reason to begin, end, and accentuate points in every sentence, then it's not for you. But basically the gist of it is, it's a, it's a cheesy, neon-drenched uh, Terminator Santa is the basic, basic gist of it. There's these department store Santas that they send out that are ex-military models. And they some of them, malfu- you know, one of them malfunctions and starts killing everybody. Uh, it's got some good gore. It's fun. It, you know, I'm, I'm not going to watch it every year, but it was a fun little uh, Christmas horror. Violent Night is way better if you only choose one, choose Violet Night. Uh, but Christmas Bloody Christmas, it's got a the soundtrack's pretty banging. It's got a nice synthway soundtrack, which is good. It's got a cool look, but uh, it's not going to be a yearly watch for me at all. And then finally, while I was in California, uh, got to see Avatar: The Way of Water mm-hmm. on the big screen, the big big screen with vibrating chairs and all that, the whole shebang, the expensive ticket, mm. and. Uh, I did not want. I I was completely not planning on seeing this till it came home. Uh, brother and a friend of mine wanted to go see it, so sure, let's go see it. Awesome, you know. I'll, you know. I mean, if if you're gonna see it, you, you know, if you're gonna see a movie in the theater, this is one to see. Absolutely right. Uh, the underwater 3D was incredible. That was worth the price of admission. Uh, the movie. It's a situation where I went in with low expectations because uh, first Avatar is fine. I like it. I've never watched the whole movie since seeing it in the theater. I've only watched the last 45 minutes a few times because that's where the action starts. Same thing with this one. All the drama leading up to the end. I've seen it once. I don't need to see it again, especially when it's a nearly three-hour or right over three-hour runtime, whatever it is. Uh, But the end is Cameron. You know, James Cameron is known for his action uh, Terminator series. Terminator. I mean, Terminator 2, one of the greatest action movies ever made. So when when this shit hits the fan in a James Cameron movie, you know it's going to be badass, and it absolutely is. The action's great. Uh, it's almost <laughs> it's funny because uh, the new Avatar is almost uh, a James Cameron greatest hits. Uh, there's a lot of hints of Alien and Terminator and Titanic because it's on the water. There's a sinking ship in the last act for Christ's <laughs> sake, uh, you know. So <laughs> where people are trying not to drown. Uh, it's 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 very predictable. 
in terms of the story. I do like how they brought Stephen Lang back because I saw him in the trailer. I'm like, okay, how's Stephen Lang back? He's fucking dead. Uh, they solved that in the first five minutes of the movie. It makes perfect sense. It's totally logical. Mm. Glad he's back. He's a great villain. Uh, I was shocked after Avatar that he wasn't used in more things aside from Don't Breathe, and then uh, they made him a hero in Don't Breathe Part 2, basically, which is, after what he did in the first one, I don't think you can make that character a hero, but that's just me uh, and a lot of the people online, too. But all in all, the new Avatar, it's worth seeing in the theater. If, you wanna, if you're going to the theater... It's 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 a movie you you're never gonna have you're not never gonna be able to see it like this again unless you see it in a re-release in the theater with the CG I mean with the 3D and all the sound and everything it's it is worth the price of admission and honestly it didn't feel like it was a three-hour movie it, went, it seems like it went by pretty quick to me at least and again I went in not expecting to like it just like more of the same which it was but turned out honestly I enjoyed it uh, you know. Avatar Way of the Smurf, whatever the joke was for the first one, you know, uh, it, 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 I'm excited for the next one, to be honest with you. Like, uh, I'm excited to see the next one. I'm not excited. You know, if, it, if it's another 10 years, I don't, I don't need to see it tomorrow. I think it's going to be next year. It's going to be pretty quick. I think he filmed them back to back was the deal. They're just waiting to see how this one performs to see how fast they're going to release a new one. The next one, we're just going to have, you know, we're dealing with all the elements here. We got the wood folk. Mm. Now we got we got tree folk. Now we got uh, we got wood. We got water. About to have fire. It's fucking Battle Beasts up in here. And there's an 80s uh, <laughs> toy reference. Anybody remember Battle Beasts? You know, it was the animals. They were they were short, maybe two-inch tall figures. And they were different animals. Uh, they had a shark one. They had a giraffe that had like a claw hand, you know, a tusk hand, a cook hand. But they had a little holographic thing because that was a huge deal. <laughs> When that technology came out, not holographic, but thermal, they had a little square on their chest. And when you push it with your thumb, you know, like a heat thing, it would reveal water, wood, or fire. Basically, paper, rock, scissors. So when you're playing with them, it's like, ah, water, uh, water beats fire, fire beats wood. And like, that's how, (laughs) that's how you resolve the battles, you know? So it was a, it was a. Cheesy, but I mean the the toys were pretty badass. Cause it's like you had a badass giraffe. Like I said, the giraffe had a shark one. I'm not sure how many they had. That's something to look up and get nostalgic about on the internet one day. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> the Avatar trilogy is basically battle beasts, uh, <laughs> so to speak. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, catch it in the theater. If you're interested in seeing it, you gotta see it in the theater. If not, you'll be fine watching it at home. But the 3D was. Because that was the, draw, the thing for the first one. I, what, what do I remember about the first Avatar, aside from the end? I remember when they first get the Pandora and the 3D and the huge like truck, like the huge two-story truck thing is driving by. And in 3D, the dust is coming at you. I was like, wow, this is a 3D movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the second, when they go underwater and they take you underwater in this new one, I was like, I had that same feeling. Like, this is 3D. This is, this is incredible. This is really nice. <laughs> Uh, the only thing I wish they would have done that could have really hyped the immersion was uh, one of the few things I've g- I gave credit to the recent Ghost- the Ghostbusters reboot. Not the Afterlife, but the 2016 you know, Melissa McCarthy, yeah. uh, Girlbusters, whatever the, whatever the incel joke was online, whatever. Uh, but the 3D in that movie, you had the widescreen bars. The, effect, the 3D effects, the movie was shot, or it was, it was shot, or uh, projected, I should say, excuse me, to where you still had the bars on top and bottom. So it was still the same ratio, but you had room at the top and the bottom of the screen. So whenever a 3D effect happened, it came over the widescreen bars to fir- like really enhance that 3D effect. Yeah. And it, was, it really worked <laughs> because you're, you know, obvi- you know, you know it's not coming out of the screen, 
But when stuff would happen, you'd forget that because in the moment, it was legitimately coming out of the screen with that extra little bit of thought into the 3D to where it felt like, you know, like, whoa, that's that's pretty impressive. That's great. That's nice. Uh, so I wish I, if, if Avatar would have done that, that would have even more like felt like you were in an aquarium. Hmm. But uh, yeah, so uh, I recommend it uh, to see in the theater. You know, it's fine. It, I mean, it's not going to be the best picture of the year. You know, uh, I'm, I'll still be shocked if it actually hits two billion, which I say it has to hit two billion worldwide to be a success. You know, it's pretty close, I'm but I think it's, right you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, I didn't think Titanic would be the biggest movie ever, but, you know, I, you know, the, the, if this hits two billion, it is a fact, you know, uh, yeah, sorry, I got my, I got my, I got my thoughts mixed up. <laughs> if this hits two billion, if Avatar The Way of Water reaches two billion worldwide, then you, it is a fact that you cannot doubt James Cameron. If it fails, the, you know, you can doubt him. <laughs> but if this hits two billion for a, a sequel to a movie, you know, from 10 years ago, eight years, however long ago, and it still hits that mark, that very impressive mark, then yes, do not doubt James Cameron. Hmm. Give him more money. Because <laughs> let him do what he does. Wow. But uh, Jesse, I know you've seen a few things and uh, some stuff that uh, uh, in the past two weeks since we've been, we've spoken since last year. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I watched Bullet Train last night. Highly recommend that one. It's streaming on Netflix, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Um yeah, I mean, I think uh, you had mentioned it in an earlier episode, so I won't go too much into that. But uh, yeah, highly recommend that. And what else have I watched this year? Let's see. I, I speaking of Netflix, since we uh, fired that back up, I've been trying to catch up on Netflix things. I finished out. Mm. There was a series called Space Force that was canceled after season two. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's fine. I mean, yeah. I see why I got canceled because it was just like fine, you know. It was a, it was a, it was a six yeah. out of ten, six and a half mm-hmm. out of ten somewhere in there. Had some good jokes in it, but um, ultimately couldn't survive. Even though that was a Greg Daniels, Steve yeah. Carell thing, you know, makers of The Office. Um, yeah, very. Just uh, the best part of that is um, what's his name I had a movie about him where they went to his head. Oh, uh, John, John Malkovich. He's the best part of it. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. John Malkovich <laughs> sure. doing John Malkovich things. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know what else I've watched. Random Christmas movies here and there. Yeah, it's been so long since we talked about it. I'll collect my thoughts and we'll put it into next episode. The official <laughs> New Year Sounds episode. Sounds like a plane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the official first, that quote unquote first yeah. episode of 2023. <laughs> Next week, uh, we did uh, uh, we did get an email from Ben, uh, but I'm going to save that one for next week because he and Cody give us their top ten movies mm. of the year, and that's a good New Year's thing and not a Christmas thing, yeah. so to speak. So Ben, we'll hit that next year, so, okay. yeah. <laughs> next episode. See if this what see see I'm in the mindset of this was our supposed yeah. to be a Christmas episode. We'll just pretend we recorded uh, next it episode December we'll hit... 27th or so. <laughs> it's hey, a there you go. We can do a countdown at the end of the episode yeah. or something. <laughs> But uh, our good friend Ross Jacobs on Facebook sent me a message just today, actually. He says, hey there, Trey. Happy New Year. Hope you and your family are well, are happy and well, and that you're recovering from your cold. Uh, let's see. Uh, the wife and I just got back from our first date post-baby, because, of course, they had their uh, son Harrison, if I remember correctly. Uh, very strange and feeling extremely anxious. Yeah, that first that first <laughs> night away is 
you, you know, you don't think you're going to have it. You know, you think, ah, oh, I'll be fine. I didn't need a break. And then the second you're like, you know, you pull out the travel, you're like, God, I missed that little shit. Uh, Feel that way about my cats. Wink, wink. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, you know, you know how it yeah. feels. Uh, and decided to go see the new Tom Hanks movie, A Man Called Otto. I know you're a fellow Tom Hanks fan, so I thought you'd, I'd give you a spoiler-free review in case you hadn't seen it, which I haven't yet. Uh, beside the trigger warning, I will give you on the suicide themes in this movie... Uh, it is, in our opinion, a beautiful film, one that you only have to watch once, but nevertheless lovely. Uh, the wife and I look forward to a new episode and hearing from you guys doing your thing again. So, hey, we're here doing the thing again, finally. <laughs> so, you're welcome. Uh, but, yeah, I'm definitely, I mean, again, anytime Tom Hanks makes a movie, it's on the list. Uh, and this one, I haven't, you know, this is one I'm, I'm probably not going to theater to see, to be honest with you. Uh, but, nevertheless, I will see when it, you know, when it hits streaming. I'll Melissa check it out. Melissa wants to see it because uh, I mean, uh, she read the book. And she really enjoyed the book. Oh, I didn't even know it was based on yeah. a book. Huh. It was actually, the movie's been made before, um, but it's not an English film. Um, ah. To... So it's a remake of a foreign film based on a book. Typical Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, of course, as I Google this, it's going to be all the latest stuff. Um, you know, it's all yeah. going to be Tom Hanks stuff since, wait, here we go, 2015. Just came out. Yeah, a man called Ova. So that, that's uh, the original. Um, in fact, the book was also called <laughs> um, A Man Called Ova. Is it like a Scandinavian book? I don't know. I don't know the origins of it. Somewhere in, but, the, um, in the Norse country? But yeah, the movie had come out in 2015. I see the names and spellings. 7.7 so. on this, this movie as well. Looks pretty good. I mean, if it's... Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah. So the, like a, there's subtitles, so it's typical, perfectly watchable, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's one of those films that it probably you know was nominated for you know best foreign film or something at the Oscars, and somebody's like, I just need to remake that with an American actor in, in English, and yeah. we got a hit. Languages, Swedish, typical, typical. Yeah, Sweden is the origin. Sweden, Sweden. Uh, made thirty mil worldwide. Interesting. Hey, on a three million. Uh, oh, that's a gross, not a budget. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. But uh, yeah, they were like, throw Tom Hanks in it. He'll make more. Yeah, yeah, make. They'll <laughs> get their money back yeah. at least. You would assume. Yeah, did not know that. But uh, the one thing that made me interested to see it is that Tom Hanks, from the trailer at least. Uh, when I say trailer, I mean the five seconds of the trailer I saw, waiting for the skip ad to pop up on my YouTube <laughs> before I watch the latest news on wrestling. Uh, it looks like Tom Hanks plays an asshole. Yeah. Which is, you know, very against character for him. So <laughs> definitely, you know, that, that makes it very interesting for me. You know, I'm sure he, I'm absolutely sure he pulls it off, but you know, you don't, you're not used to seeing Tom Hanks be grumpy. You know, he's got the moniker of America's dad, so to speak. Mm. So that's going to be interesting. So definitely, definitely looking forward to seeing it. Quite an acting. Not a theater for trip for me. <laughs> <laughs> it might be who knows you know the hardest role he so ever had to, to play a grumpy man was being mean <laughs> to people that aren't named who, who being mean to people who don't have the last name right. hanks since he's pretty stern with his kids from what after he yelled <laughs> what, at the paparazzi or at least from what chet you know, says about his wife <laughs> get your hands off my oh. wife no, uh, no here's, <laughs> he was like i think i could do no, that role here's now. what bugs me about that <laughs> <laughs> that that's a game that was a push that Tom Hanks needed to be able to do that. But it's, it's funny you mentioned that because like the thing that bugs me about that 
is that the guy that actually trips Rita Wilson is not the guy that not the kid that Tom Hanks fusses at. That he's like, you could tell. I mean, he's given like a biggest like you've never seen Tom Hanks mad like you saw him in that video, like giving this go to hell yeah. look to this kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. I this little kid, that. like no. yeah. you, if you watch it, it's uh, it's the guy like right behind her with a camera yeah. that caused her to trip. But then he kind of goes to the side, and Tom Hanks looks and it's this poor little, pardon my French, nerdy kid. You know, like I just was following. Like, why are you mad at me, Tom Hanks? <laughs> like, he's clearly not the one that did anything, and but he 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 drew the ire of Tom Hanks. And I felt every time I watch it, like Tom Hanks is justified because, like, hey, back, you know, like seriously, like like he said, back the fuck off. Yep. But he he his vitriol and his ire is to this poor little <laughs> kid that was not even like the one that did it. I feel every time I see it, I feel so bad for that kid. He probably. Like stays awake, like thinking, like I, Tom Hanks hates me. <laughs> like I did, like, and it, of course it was viral. It went viral because Tom Hanks, you know, used profanity. It was mean. <laughs> no, he was absolutely justified. I mean, his wife almost tripped because people wouldn't give him some space. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. Now, obviously, that's the price you pay sometimes for fame, especially his level of fame. You know, that's understandable. But I mean, you know, you don't. You know, you hope things like don't ever get to a point like that, which. Saying it the way I'm describing it makes it sound like it was a crime against humanity, but it absolutely wasn't. I mean, she didn't fall. She kind of stumbled and goes, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, Tom's like, okay, back. Okay, that, okay, now you almost made a wife trip. Now you need to back up. You know, absolutely justified. But again, that poor kid. Go watch it on YouTube. Like, because in the camera, the thing is, it's almost like a movie. Because he's like, back off. Like, back the F off. And they're like, you can see he's mad. Like, and then you can see he is giving daggers to somebody. And the camera, like, goes over. And it's this poor little kid. And I'm just like, he's in. I'm just like, the first time I'm like, he didn't do it, Tom. It wasn't this kid. It's the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy, Tom. Because, you know, I mean, somebody as, you know, who you uh, believe, and obviously from what people have said, you know, is a, is a, pretty decent person human being in tom hanks to, to make tom hanks mad <laughs> that's like you know that's like throwing a rock through a stained glass window you know or uh you know stabbing a perfectly good set of breasts that's a princess bride <laughs> reference by the way that's not a sexist reference uh but yeah so definitely interested in that and ross thanks for sending the email appreciate you listening you and your wife hope you enjoy this episode uh yeah anytime you got any reviews send them our way love the chat love to hear whatever everybody else is thinking uh, and of course, if you would like to email or on Facebook, uh, email 80s Revisited at gmail.com on Facebook, 80s Revisited Podcast on Instagram, 80s underscore Revisited. And as mentioned earlier, check out our good friend John's YouTube channel, Cajun Tour Review. I haven't seen too many lately unless the analytics are just not putting it on my uh, subscribe feed. You know, YouTube does sometimes. He does some great uh, figure reviews on there. And, of course, TCW Tasmanian Championship Wrestling, Doomslayer. They got Annihilation 10 coming up. I don't, th- I don't remember seeing a Doomslayer match on there, though. I'm, I'm, what, what the hell's up with that, TCW? Your biggest commodity is not on the show? And if they is, you're not promoting it to where I can see it here in America? You got to step up your North American you know, promotion here. Come what on now. Is. It's a crime. It's a crime. Anyway, leave a review if you'd like, good or bad. Either way, whether it's good or it's bad, all we ask is that, you know, leave more than a couple words. And remember, if you're going to call us out on something, we can easily go back and check the tape if you're correct in your statement, which there's been some negative reviews lately that are incorrect. And we got the receipts. So, but any creative criticism, any uh, undulated admiration, either way, always appreciated. Uh, we just do this for fun. 
So believe me, and, and let me tell you something. Let me give you a little behind the curtain look. Just because a podcast is sponsored by Manscaped doesn't mean they're making money. Just saying. Yeah. But it makes us feel like we are. Makes us feel like we made the big leagues. <laughs> so just surprise. And just being facetious, of course. This is it's a little insider. Yep. Knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But next week for our New Year's episode, our first episode of 2023, wink, wink, we will be talking about the. Uh, to many people, and to Quentin Tarantino himself, cult classic, New Year's Evil. The perfect movie to ring in the new year with, or is it? Mm. Find out next week on 80s Revisited, where I still hopefully will remain, not relapse with a cold, Trey Harris. Cowabunga! Ho, 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 ho!